आई वी एम There were signs that something was afoot in Kashmir. First the government asked tourists and pilgrims to leave. The next day schools and offices were ordered to close and then mobile phone networks and internet services were shut down. And there were restrictions on movement and public gatherings under section 144 of the CRPC. Why what was going on? Hello and welcome my name is Priya Mirza and this podcast is the longest constitution and we talk about the constitution and we are looking at digital rights the freedom of speech online as well as what constitutes public disorder and unraveling the history of the fundamental right to property that's article 31 which was abolished in 1978 our first story today is of ram manohar loya freedom fighter socialist and the general secretary of the socialist party of india who was arrested because he was exhorting people not to pay taxes so incidentally dissuading people from paying taxes is a really tried and tested political strategy jesus wanted a fairer taxing system and so did mahatma gandhi remember the dandi march but lohia was arrested Under the UP Special Powers Act of 1932, a colonial era legislation which criminalized instigating people against paying taxes and other liabilities. And this law kind of punished any visible ways of instigating a person to break the law. It could be a speech, a poster, literally anything. And since it was the British who were ruling us back then, it's easy to understand why merely standing on the streets and telling people to break the law was considered a crime but it's independent india and lohia was prosecuted for doing just that lohia challenged the constitutionality of that section and the case went up to the supreme court where the state argued in its defense and insisted that this was dangerous and could spark and ignite a revolution so just in case you're new to the show or maybe if you need a reminder Article 19 part 2 of the constitution lists eight grounds on the basis of which the state can restrict the freedom of speech and expression. Four of these are not to do with what is being said but the consequences that may have especially in promoting violence and affecting public tranquility. And these are sovereignty and integrity of India, security of the state, public order and incitement to an offence. Okay our second story today is to do with the abrogation of article 370 and 35A of the constitution which took place on 5th August 2019 and with that Kashmir's autonomy its own constitution separate flag and the freedom to make laws in matters other than foreign affairs defense and communications were scrapped and everyday life was severely affected on account of the internet shutdown The editor of Kashmir Times Anuradha Bhasin filed a petition that her newspaper could not be published. Journalists could not move around. Healthcare and education was severely hampered. So doctors and nurses, students and journalists, a lot of people couldn't just communicate. So shutting down communication not only meant that newspapers weren't being published, it also meant not being able to make an online payment which needed something as simple as an OTP. or filling out an examination form or the million ways in which we need the internet just to get on with everyday life. Pasin's petition pointed out that the state's actions 
also failed the test that such restrictions, one, must be sanctioned by law, and two, must be reasonable. Okay, now let's get on with the First Amendment and the big fight over the fundamental right to property. The year is 1953. The state is West Bengal. And following the surge of migration from East Pakistan, the government decides to make a housing cooperative for refugees. That's a good idea. Except the land acquired for this state project belonged to one Bela Banerjee and the compensation for the land was a 1946 assessment, which of course was very different from the market value. So what's going on here? So we saw that the First Amendment inserted the Ninth Schedule and basically this was a way to establish the supremacy of Parliament and the power to nullify the judgments of the courts. So basically it was a way of pushing the courts out of this ambit. But that still didn't answer questions like, would a public purpose justify acquiring a person's property? Who decides what is meant by compensation, fair, equitable and just? And just how would the rates of compensation be decided? And as long as Article 31 was around, people would continue to petition the court in state acquisitions of private land. And these were the questions that the Supreme Court faced in the Bela Banerjee case where land was acquired for an ostensibly public purpose, but at the financial loss of a private individual. Hmm. What happened to Ram Manohar Loya in the Superintendent Central Prison Fatehgarh versus Dr. Ram Manohar Loya 1960? The court ruled that a hypothetical possibility that speech may affect public order would not do. The court created a new proximity test by referring to the use of the word reasonable and held that only a proximate connection with public order, but not which was far-fetched or hypothetical, could be upheld by Article 19 Part 2. And equally importantly, the court's decision underlined that people in general are thinking and rational humans and can actually make up their own minds about whether or not to take action after such a speech. Incidentally, Ram Manohar Loya completed his PhD at Humboldt University, Berlin, Germany. Yay! Since I am in Germany at the moment, that gave me a moment of complete nerdy joy. And one more joyous bit. His PhD was on guess what? Salt taxation in India. So what happened in the Bela Banerjee case? In West Bengal versus Mrs. Bela Banerjee in 1953, the court held that such compensation must be a just equivalent of the deprivation caused to the owner. In short, the owner must be paid full market value as compensation. What did the judiciary just uphold an individual's right to property over and above the state's project for the rehabilitation of hundreds of refugees? Here we go again. And like the First Amendment, following the Banerjee verdict, Parliament passed the Fourth Amendment Act 1955. By the Fourth Amendment, in a span of three years, Article 31 was amended twice. An insertion was made in Article 31 Part 2 that, and I quote, no such law shall be called in question on the ground that the compensation provided by that law is not adequate. And that pushed the courts out again. And what happened to Kashmir and internet shutdowns? 
In Anuradha Bhasin versus Union of India 2020, the court held that internet suspension orders are drastic measures and must be issued only if it is necessary and unavoidable. The court also directed that internet suspension orders must be published. Oh, you want us to publish it? That we can do. Following the judgment, the Jammu and Kashmir government issued 93 orders for the suspension of internet services. That was not the point though. By the way, Kashmir has the ignominy of the longest internet shutdown in history. Roughly 17 long months. That's the price of being part of the Indian Union. So today's takeaways are India accounted for as much as 85% of internet shutdowns in the first six months of this year out of the world's top 10 countries where internet disruptions are frequent. India was ranked second, preceded by Yemen and followed by Syria. So comforting, that's the company we keep. In the Loya case, the court revised its previous position and was not only speech protective, but also obliged courts to actively question the reasonableness of such restrictions. Lastly, much before Article 31 was abolished, it was gradually being eroded. And this was possible only by Parliament positioning its superiority over the courts and nullifying court orders where the individual's right to just compensation were being upheld. The plot thickens. That's all for today, gentle listeners. If you have questions or comments, please send them in via email. That's the longest constitution at gmail.com. You can also rate my podcast at Spotify and drop a review at Apple Podcasts and can also reach out to me on Twitter where I am at Fundamentally P or on Instagram, The Longest Constitution. Until next time, this is me, Priya Mirza, signing out.